As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. AirPods Pro with adaptive audio automatically keeps out the sounds you don't want to hear so you can listen to your music and lowers your music to let in the sounds you do need to hear. Hi there. Hi, what can I get you? I'll have a strawberry mango coconut probiotic smoothie with wheatgrass. Anything else? Extra wheatgrass. Here you go. AirPods Pro with adaptive audio. Available on AirPods Pro second generation when enabled. Discover BetMGM, the betting app sports fans in the Capital Region turn to for nonstop action all winter long. Take the excitement of football, basketball, and hockey to the next level with same-game parlays, exclusive signature bets, odds boost promos, and much more. Plus, now you can sign in, place bets, and manage your cash balance under the same BetMGM account in D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. With the same username and password throughout the DMV, it's never been easier to play with the king of sportsbooks. Download the BetMGM app today. BetMGM is an authorized gaming partner of the NBA and an official sports betting partner of the NHL. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. Please gamble responsibly. BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Washington, D.C. only. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. It's bracket season, and you can pre-register now for... Fox Sports Radio's Bracket Challenge at foxsportsradio.com. Get details, rules, and pre-register so you can easily create your winning bracket when it's live on March 17th. Once you fill out your bracket, you're entered for a chance to win the ultimate college sports trip for you and a friend, including travel and stays at any Graduate Hotels location. It's sponsored by Tractor Supply and Graduate Hotels, where college fans stay. Hey, it's Doug Gottlieb, and welcome into All Ball. All basketball, all the time. Thanks so much for listening. Don't forget to download, to rate, and to subscribe to this podcast. You can catch it weekly and sometimes bi-weekly as well. We'll lead you up to the NBA draft. I do have some nuggets from some players that have uh, pulled out of the NBA draft. There's a lot of big news, a lot of big news in college basketball. I'll kind of run down some bullets here later on on the show, but let me get to what we saw last night. Game one NBA finals. If you listen to my radio show, which you can listen to nationally, three to six Eastern time, 12 to three Pacific Fox sports radio, Fox You can download that as well. You would note that ever since the Eastern and Western conference finals ended, I, I predicted that this would be a much more competitive series than the rest of the world thought. My logic behind it was, the Warriors are three on five on offense, and once you get to the bench, boy, now all of a sudden it becomes, I mean, they're just just—they're just plugging holes, especially with that Andre Godala. Uh, additionally, uh, Le- LeBron's awesome. The The way the league is officiated, the way this team, up, the team is set up to spread it completely out around him uh, gives him a chance, gives him a, you know, a puncher's chance. If he's making his jump shots, making his shots, if they hit shots on kickouts, I think you can be you can be competitive, and even though the Cavs are a bad defensive team throughout the entire regular season, 
you don't have to guard Draymond, and I I thought they do exactly what they did, which is put LeBron on Draymond so he can he can rest. And uh, then you can put Tristan Thompson on whoever that fourth starter is, or put you know, try and put Kevin Love, although Kevin Love was awful defensively. But what they're doing very simply is basically playing three on five defense, three uh, five on three defensively, and then you want to run Golden State off the three point line. You know, chase them into where the help is and make them pass the basketball to their fifth best offensive player or weapon on the floor. That's why Sean Livingston had 10 points. Kevon Looney had a couple looks, some that he made, some that he missed. That's why Draymond Green was so wide open. And and seeing that, I thought we would have a series and at least one game in we do. There's a bunch of things to get to. Let me Let me tell you what I saw, and then we'll get to the couple of the calls down the stretch and to overtime. First thing, um, something's wrong with Kevin Durant. Now, do I think it's frustrating to be told to move the ball when sometimes guys aren't open? Uh, all of a sudden, the officiating's different when you're getting grabbed and held and bodied up to, and there's another man in the lane, and there's not the same spacing that you came to Golden State for? Absolutely. But he seems to be a little bit lost offensively, and defensively, he was getting lit up last night from by LeBron, some of it's not his fault. Like he's trying to cover for Steph and not have to switch every time on a ball screen, but he just has to be better about it. He has to be more physical about it. The physicality of the postseason is really, really wrecking havoc on his game. And mentally, he just kind of seems out of it. I mean, the, the block charge call that got that got changed, got overturned. Um, call aside, that's just a simple bounce pass for him to Draymond Green, and Draymond Green lays the ball in. Or dunks the basketball. Hey, Draymond lays the ball in, let's be honest, right? But he doesn't. I mean, just, he, he's not playing smart. He's not playing within himself. He's not showing great toughness. And then the, you know, the, the offensive rebound he gave up to J.R. Smith, that was Kevin Durant's man. That was his box out. And it's, it's interesting because I think all of us thought, because he played so well in the finals last year, especially in the fourth quarter, that, all right, once you get that monkey off your back, you're just going to take off, and you'll be great. And he's been worse, not better. So let's start with Kevin Durant. And, look, I'm not a huge killer of all stats or plus minus, but he was a plus 17. I know they uh, they won by 10, which was not indicative at all of how close that game was. So some of it takes into account overtime. Um, look, Steph's still a defensive liability, but he is playing pretty hard. He's just not physical enough to keep up with LeBron James. It's a really weird thing that that Steph is, he's so slight in comparison to LeBron and he can't keep LeBron from driving on him. He can't make LeBron make jump shots. And of course, yesterday LeBron was making a bunch of jump shots, especially early. But I did think that Steph, you know, the and one late, he's shown that he'll mix it up. He'll show that he'll finish in traffic. He's clearly continuing to work on his finishing shots, work on his floaters. He still misses far too many. But Steph has, is reading what the defense is doing, and he's reacting better than somebody like him and Durant is. Draymond can't make shots, and yet he made two yesterday. We'll see if that propels him, because he's being left wide open on seemingly every possession. Uh, also, the flopping when he goes to the basket, he just he has so, such a hard time finishing that he falls down. Falls down constantly. And when he falls down constantly, he's not going to get any calls. And then you have Clay who... Uh, I, I thought played pretty well last night. Although defensively, he's not a, a, he's not 
imposing his will nearly as as well as much as he should. I, it wouldn't surprise me if they do some creative switching on those high ball screens. If they run Clay up there and drop and drop Steph kind of quickly to kind of continue to co- hide and cover Steph late in shot clocks, it wouldn't surprise me if they start double teaming LeBron James, making him give the ball up. Because the way in which they're playing it now, and this is part of the genius to how Cleveland's playing, is they're setting ball screens pretty early in the possession. They're generate, wait until they can generate a switch. When they get the switch, then they're spacing and moving without the basketball and getting ready to shoot and then letting LeBron do his thing, and LeBron just finds him off of penetration. The sight lines for passing are pretty clear and pretty open, not just because he's six foot eight, six foot nine, and he's a very good passer, but because of the spacing and the angles, he knows where everybody is and where everybody's supposed to be. So I think there's a, there's a lot to why Cleveland is going to be competitive. But when the when all three of the big three are playing three on five, it makes it more difficult. Whereas even though it feels like one on five with LeBron, he's got enough shooting around him or the threat of shooting around him, which spaces out the court. So then you have uh, then you have we talked about Draymond and then you have the fifth starter. Jordan Bell still looks lost. He competes defensively, but has very little offensive value. Kevon Looney, sometimes he catches. A lot of times he's out of place. Uh, he does a decent job defensively. Swaggy P offers nothing for me. He just does nothing for me. Quinn Cook, they knew they couldn't play in that game as long as LeBron James is, is in the game. And that and that's why they, they went with Pat McCaw. And that's why they, they tried to do everything they could to hide their defensive weaknesses. And LeBron still had a shot. So, as for LeBron, he was spectacular. Really, really good. In a rhythm, he's obviously improved um, the fact that when he's left open, he doesn't he doesn't rush it and he doesn't take too much time. It's just the right amount of, uh, of rhythm, of timing, so that open shots become made shots. Now, he did go through a stretch. He stopped. He didn't make any jump shots, I believe, at all, after midway through the third quarter. Remember, he went on that run, he made a couple of threes, made a turnaround, and then he didn't make any jump shots. But here's where LeBron's different, and maybe part of it is the setup of this team is different. Now he started driving the basketball, and he didn't settle. Whereas you look at the Spurs series and some of the other series uh, that he would have a tendency, even last year with the Warriors, he'd have a tendency to settle occasionally. And when you settle and you're not super confident and you're shooting mid-range 18-footers, like he did at times against Boston, um, those are inefficient shots. Now he's taking much better, much more efficient shots, having much more patience, and then he's able to pace himself defensively because he doesn't guard, he doesn't guard Draymond Green. So, look, I think there's a path there for the Cavs to win a couple games, and if you can win a game two, you can win the series. You, you can't. You got all you got to do is win a game two. You're better at home than you win a game three. Now all of a sudden you have a ton of pressure on Golden State, and Kevin Durant hasn't played well under pressure. This team has a bunch of flaws. It's not crazy to think they could win this series. Not crazy at all. How could that be? Well, the difference is everybody wants to point out, hey, Golden State's won 73 games, and then they added Kevin Durant. But we forget that they had to shed a bunch of salary, reconfigure themselves, and they became, instead of strength in numbers, kind of a top-heavy team. Three great scores, two role players, and the bench is kind of a mishmash. That's really what they have when they go to that death lineup. And I, I just think this roster is far weaker after the top three than anybody will ever give her credit. And that, that includes Draymond, who I like and I think is a great role player. 
But if you've watched enough basketball, you know he is not. He just he lacks so much of the offensive skill it takes to be considered a true superstar. He's a superstar role player and a perfect fit for what this team needs. I feel like they're one shooter away, one defender away. Iguodala is a defender, not the shooter, from being a, a perfectly put together team. But it's not a perfectly put together team, and I think they even know that. As for LeBron, LeBron, a lot of you will ask me, like, well, now do you put him with Jordan? Let's just remember that this is different. It's almost a different sport. There's not only no power forwards, and LeBron's built like a power forward. There's no centers, so you can get right to the you can get right to the cup when you drive by guys. And if you want to say, well, Michael Jordan couldn't or wouldn't have whatever, well, he would be just like Steve Kerr has said. Hey, players have evolved. You mean to tell me that Jordan wouldn't evolve into a better three point shooter and with no open lane? Who's going to keep Michael Jordan out of penetration? He was strong enough where you put a hand on him, he'd go by you back in the hand-check generation. He's always been quick and explosive enough. He would get to the cup, and he was an incredible finisher. And he was also a very good passer off penetration. That's why they won so many titles, because he found a, he was willing to become a, a good passer off penetration. But it's just hard to, to compare the two. Here's what I'll say about LeBron. He looked confident. He looked elegant. Uh, he didn't look arrogant. And he looked like the best player of this generation by a mile going back to last night. Part of that is KD didn't look particularly good. Part of it is this team has been built around his likeness. And part of it is, hey, when you've been to eight straight finals and you're playing with house money, you can play with supreme self-confidence because you literally have nothing to lose. Nothing. As for the game, um, I didn't like the original block call, a original charge call. I don't like per se, going back to replay and kind of fudging while you're going back to replay to review the call. But I do think they ended up getting the call right, which is really the intent of replay, no matter how you get there, right? I do think they ended up getting it right. And then um, what's lost in that discussion was, though it felt like that could have ended the game, it didn't. Each team had a couple more possessions. The, the, the Warriors couldn't get stops. Steph got an and one that put him up one. Let's not let George Hill off the hook for choking that free throw. And there's a difference between missing a free throw, rounding out, back rim, um, just getting unlucky, and making your first one. The second one was a good foot short. Right? It's 15 feet from the backboard to the free throw line. Um, and so with, those, with, with the dimensions of an NBA court, it's 15 feet from the backboard to the free throw line, just so you're aware. So that makes it like a 13-9 shot, 13-6 shot to the front of the to the middle of the rim. That that was that was a 12 foot nine free throw. That's how short that one was. So the pressure clearly got the most of George Hill shooting that free throw. I don't think anybody would argue otherwise. And with that in mind. A guy who, career-wise, a very, very good shooter and very good free-throw shooter. Let, let's not let George Hill off the hook for missing a shot that could have forever changed uh, this NBA, NBA Finals. And then let's also not let somebody like Kevin Durant off the hook for not boxing out on that play. As for J.R. Smith, I would love to say that I'm surprised, I'm shocked, I'm stunned, but I also know it's J.R. Smith, right? J.R. Smith 
is, a, is, is exactly the type of guy who would not know if you were up one or down one when securing a big offensive rebound. I, and I also, I, I hate the fact that he lied about it afterwards, saying he thought a timeout was coming, saying he thought they were in a tie game. When we can read his lips, which he said, I, I thought we were up one, or I thought we were up. It, it's, it is totally human to err. But to lie about it, especially when we have video evidence that you can't do the Eddie Murphy wouldn't me. It just doesn't work. Uh, I understand why LeBron appeared disheartened and lacked the energy in overtime. I hope that's not the case in game two. I, I really hope. But that was an amazing game. Incredible turns, incredible twists. Um, JR was bad. Kevin Love couldn't make shots. Yet 19 offensive rebounds, 19 to 19 to four offensive rebounds. Like that's the story of it. They beat them up on the boards. They were a more physical team. They they took exactly what Houston did defensively, and they they just they they tweaked it a little bit where they wanted to run Kevin Durant, run Clay Thompson, run Steph Curry off the three point line when they come off those high ball screens pressure up and make them go into the middle lane, make them shoot mid-rangers or make or funnel them to Tristan, funnel them to Jeff Green, funnel them to LeBron James, whoever was on the back line of that defense. And it works some. It works some. And I think it will continue to befuddle this team, especially as long as Kevin Durant, is, his head is up his uh, rectum. But it was, I, I thought, a very well-coached game by Ty Lue. Do I think they got screwed by the officials? Like, I, my my honest thought is that the reason they went to check if LeBron James was outside the semicircle was because those officials, two of them probably had blocks, right? One official had a charge. The other two were like, hey, I got a block on that one. And so by rule, they can go and check for the semicircle, but they probably went to go check so that they could see if he was set or even close to being set. And he wasn't. Now, here's one idea for replay. And this is, I got a buddy's name is Ryan Hoover. Uh, Ryan was a great shooter at Notre Dame. Played overseas for like a decade. He now is part of a company that the NBA uses. Uh, lots of NBA teams, college teams use to track your your shooting. Uh, they put, they put, they have all these cameras and they, they keep stats. Uh, trackers that keep stats for players shooting in practice, players shooting in games. Um, but they use it more for practice in the NBA, so you know where people, how many shots guys took, where they took them from, all this different statistical analysis. Anyway, Hoove's idea, which is a pretty good one, is, look, there's nothing wrong with replay, but when they watch replay, you got to watch it in, in regular motion. If you can't tell from the replay in regular game speed, why do you need super slow-mo? I guess maybe for out-of-bounds plays, you want to see exactly who it went off of, but other replay, watch it at full speed. And if you can't tell at full speed, well, then you can't tell. But last night was a loss for replay. I don't think there's any doubt about it. Even though I believe they got the call ultimately right, the process by which it, the fact that so many of us didn't know the rule, um, I thought that made it end. And how long it took, how confusing it was, you know, overturning a call, which is supposed to be a judgment call, all of these things, it was not great. And it feels like a little bit too much use of replay. Let's welcome in Ryan Hollins, who played for a decade in the NBA. You see him on our network. You see him on 
ESPN as well, covering the NBA. R- Ryan, what's, let, let's start with the block charge. Was that absolutely the deciding play in the game? No, no, that wasn't. Cleveland getting robbed of two plays prior against a, a stat Golden State team was the decider in the game. And interesting enough is that Kenny was on that baseline and he knew it was a block, but he tried to give Doug, and you know this, we've had it happen all the time since youth basketball, a makeup call. You give a makeup call back on the other way, and when he attempted to do the makeup call, they overruled it because he knew how he knew he, he knew he had the angle. People got to understand there's three referees. Every referee has a different angle. Every referee has a different story. <clears throat> okay, so he tried to help clean the game up. Kenny on that baseline. And he, he, he couldn't do it. And then the rule came in place. And that's why everybody's upset. And it shouldn't even have been reviewable. Wait, what play are you talking about a couple plays before? There was a blatant foul, a play before. And then Kevin Durant goes out of bounds. So you're Cleveland that's given every, every little mustard up of uh, hope you got right, to be able to to, to beat Golden State. You, you know, all, listen, offense is a struggle. And they could not bounce back from that. It, and they worked the ball around as much. You couldn't have had a better possession. And then they were robbed. What's the matter with KD? Listen, when I say this, Cleveland now actually has a guy available to guard Kevin Durant. A guy available. Can LeBron James guard, guard Kevin Durant? Yes, clearly. But he's got the roll on his plate. He's got to score 51 points. And he would have had a triple-double if if these guys could have made an open three-point shot. Okay? Or if he wasn't fouled every time that he passed the ball out, that wasn't called. Jeff Green, former teammate of Kevin Durant, has the size and athleticism. And obviously it feels just like practice. (laughs) He's a guy who can actually guard Kevin Durant. And when you put him in a screening situation, he and LeBron switched several times that game. So, yeah, KD's probably a little tired. I'm sure but everybody's tired at this point, but they actually have a, a matchup to stay in front of them. Yeah. Jeff Green, former teammate of mine, man, he's, a, I mean, that's, he's just a heck of a defender. No, I, not just that, but I, the other part is it, it, LeBron guarding Draymond gives him the opportunity, with the exception of when he screens for Kevin Durant, to catch a break, you know, to catch his breath defensively so that offensively he can show his superpowers. You know, they're, they're playing kind of three-on-five on offense, and they smartly put LeBron James – you know, LeBron James on Draymond, who I know he hit two last night, one in overtime, but for the most part doesn't even want to look at the basket. The Draymond Green has been passing up more shots than his rookie year. In his rookie year, he passed them up because he couldn't shoot. Now, I'm not sure what's going on with Draymond, but he hasn't even been looking at the rim. And, yeah, one of my keys to the game, my two keys to the game, which is disappointing for Cleveland, was pace. And physicality, they beat them up off the offensive boards. Mm-hmm. And when I say pace, playing the Cleveland's pace, not Golden State's, and you have a LeBron that's able to rest, that's, that's a key to the game. That is, a, that is a blessing. That's something that he couldn't do the last time. That's a great point. Ryan Holland joining us on the Doug Gottlieb Show. Um, oh, my. What do you think on the, the – I mean, look, J.R. Smith, he can say afterwards he thought it was tied. But, I mean, we all read his lips. He didn't know the score. He thought they, he thought they had to leave, right? So, just as basic as this, the team, Cleveland got cheated yesterday. Those guys are upset. And they, they essentially, they're sticking together. 
they're they're banding together and they're not going to acknowledge what happened with Jay. Now internally, he's getting slapped in the back of the head a couple times, okay, and he's kicking himself harder than anybody else because J.R. Smith is that type of guy. Well, the, the J.R. that you see and you, you, you think you know who he is on the court, man, he's one of the most humble down-to-earth guys I've, I've ever known, I've ever been around, okay? But he's kicking himself in the back of the head. But I applaud Cleveland because those guys are having his back and sticking together. And they've made a choice not to acknowledge what happened. That's not important. And LeBron, let me give this to you, Doug. You want the psyche of the game? LeBron pulled this when they were down 3-1. He actually responded to Draymond, got in Draymond's face. I want to say almost pushed him, and Draymond gets the tech. Down 3-1, game series play, game-changing play. Last night, and every time I've competed against LeBron, man, <laughs> we, we've said things to him. We've hit him. Well, I didn't say things to him. We hit him, done everything to try to knock him out of the game, and it didn't work. At the end of the game, he pulled out one of those tricks in the first, in the first uh, excuse me, in, the, in game one. And LeBron doesn't respond. And at the end of the game, LeBron started that whole scuffle. That was LeBron doing that. And he knew that he needed to overshadow what had happened. He knew he had to overshadow JR's mistake and say, guys, well, let's fight. Let's come together. And that's what you saw LeBron James do. There was no accident. Doug, it's probably one of the most intelligent moves you ever saw because he knows he needs JR. And JR loves to fight. <laughs> and everybody's going to have LeBron's back. So how likely are we to have a series? You're very likely. You're very likely. Because Golden State only did what they were supposed to do. Golden, Golden, right, Doug? Golden State did what they were supposed to do. And yesterday, LeBron rallies the troops again, and there's a lot of holes in that Golden State team. I don't know if Clay Thompson plays the next game. Don't be surprised if he shows up on that injury report. All right? Not able to play. I have I, I have to stuck in my room. I, I don't know how he got back in that game. Okay? So, Iguodala, I doubt he comes back firing on all cylinders. I doubt that. There are a lot of holes. They're able to execute their game plan. And if a couple of those guys on the wing knock down threes, knock down a handful of threes when LeBron kicks out, or he gets a save or whistle, we got a series, brother. I, I, I completely agree with you. You know, I've, I've heard people, and it's it's almost, it, it, it hurts my brain sometimes. They're like, well, look at all these things that that had to happen, and and Golden State still beat them. I was like, dude, Golden State shot 51, 36, and 95. They missed one free throw the entire game. Played at home, had a run at the start of the third quarter, and still needed a crazy sequence of events in the fourth quarter just to – you know, just to beat um, just to beat the Cleveland Cavaliers in Game One, I'm with you. I thought yep. it was a series before the series, and I think it's a series now. You got to be physical with them, and I think the space around them. They last year they had a bunch of dudes they could throw at LeBron James to guard him. Now the the best guy they have to guard him is Kevin Durant, and clearly he's struggling with it. It wears him down offensively, and without Iguodala, they have no spacing. They don't have a guy to keep on LeBron. They're all screwed up right now. And not to mention, Kevin Durant had to start on LeBron. And now KD's worrying about defense and scoring, and nobody wants to give up a bucket. You know what I'm saying? You give up a bucket, it's a morale boost, a morale loss on the other side. And, you know, LeBron's not the guy you kind of talk mess to when he can, when he can put you in the rim. 
it's it's going to be yeah. fa- it's going to be fascinating to okay. see. Doug Gottlieb show. Ryan, thanks so much for joining us. My man. Let's welcome in Ethan Strauss, who joins us from the Athletic. Ethan, I, I know you haven't been listening. You got a bunch of other stuff you're doing. You do an outstanding job covering uh, the NBA. Um, my, my thoughts. Let's start with the call. My thoughts on the call was like, look, I actually think they got it right, and I think the reason, the true reason they reviewed it, is one official had it as a charge, and he made a big show of it. And the other guys are like, yeah, I had a block on that one, and this is just a way to get to catch a breath and to and to 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 let you know. New York in on making the final call on such a call is that is that a reasonable way of looking at it? Yeah, and I think you're you're, you're right on the money with that, and you're probably showing your playing experience and stuff in that one out that there is some old school refing that then they retroactively say it's according to rule section A slash B that you know it has something to do with the restricted area. No, they just thought maybe they botched that one. They had an excuse to go and look at it, and then they could retroactively correct it. And look, I'm against replay review in general. I think it's it's bad. It's perfect is the enemy of good, right? Uh, and people want to get the call right, uh, but in doing that, they're screwing up the flow of the game. And then there's this controversy over is it enough to overturn? And I I like the '90s, man. I like the '90s back in the day. There were some botched calls, and we all lived with it, and we learned how to deal with it. Um, and I don't think that this is the best way to go about it. But under the rules as they are written. Um, and as we have them, then I don't see what the big controversy is, right? It's uh, It was a botched call. It was a block, and so it eventually got called a block. Okay, there you go. Then, then let's get to the missed free throw. Uh, four seconds mm-hmm. remaining Four seconds remaining in the game. Um, you know, like two guys who escaped criticism, George Hill, mm-hmm. who's a very good free throw shooter, and there's, there's a difference between missing a free throw. Hey, you miss one around and out, hits the back rim, you know, looks yeah, like it's short. going, right? To leave it that short after making your first one, that's a that's pressure. That's that's a choke job. And then mm-hmm. KD doesn't box out. Now KD said like I need to do a better job of rebounding or try and box out at all. Um, but uh, Jr. trying to convince the world that he thought it was tied. <laughs> There's not a lip reader in America who thinks he said I thought it was tied. <laughs> well, that's it's it's a situation where. The more interesting mistake, the more inexcusable mistake, then gets conflated with the uh, the more damaging mistake. But when you look at it, what's more damaging? Uh, it, what's more damaging is George Hill, who could win the game right there. He could win the game with a free throw, missing the free throw. J.R. Smith is a terrible shooter within the paint. He's not good. If he had known the actual score, then he's coming back up with it, and Kevin Durant at seven feet tall is either going to block it or he's going to miss. So... Yeah, it, it was inexcusable. It was basketball negligence, and so we're all going to make him the goat and mock him, rightfully so. But it didn't actually matter, I would contend. It didn't actually shift the probabilities that much of the game. And, yeah, you could say LeBron was open, but let me tell you, if, if J.R. Smith knew the score of the game, uh, he wouldn't have even gotten out there and seen LeBron. He only saw LeBron because he ran away from the paint because he thought the, he thought the game was uh, – he thought that the uh, the Cavs were winning. It's hilarious. Yeah, he, he clearly, clearly did. Um Okay, let's get to the actual gameplay. <clears throat> I, I thought the I thought the game plan was a masterpiece from Ty Lue, right? Be super, super physical with the three scorers, and then whoever's guarding the fifth guy for the Warriors, you're in help, and then put LeBron James on Draymond Green and dare him to shoot the basketball. You're in help. It, it allowed LeBron to catch his breath defensively and allow and really, you know, ran Golden State off the three point line. 
I thought the game plan was really good. I guess the question becomes, is that replicable going forward in the series? It was it was a really good game plan. I, I'm sorry, but my, my infant son is, is making any weird noises in the background. No, that, dude, it's that, actually uh, it's actually Ottawa. amazing. Uh, what's his name? <laughs> his name is Asher. <laughs> Asher, a- a- Asher, yeah. and how old's Asher? Asher is seven weeks old. So I'm, I'm go- between this. Uh, oh, nine weeks. My wife just corrected me. Well, now I'm in trouble. Uh, He's nine weeks old, so between the uh, the NBA finals and this, I'm not getting a lot of sleep. But honestly, it's pretty sweet because then you're like, no, dude, I'll do the late night feedings, no problem. You go to bed. It, meanwhile, you're watching the game. Exactly, exactly. Well, on the game plan, uh, yeah, I, I think that it's replicable in some ways. I got to say, the Cavs played really well. Their shot quality, those fancy metrics we have for how how the the quality of shots versus did you make them, they got quality shots. Their offense did really well, and I sometimes wonder if they're a little underrated. I think maybe in order to burnish LeBron's legacy, we're exaggerating the extent to which this team is bad. It's a lot like the old Cavs teams that we've seen in this matchup. Instead of having a Kyrie Irving, an offensive guy, you've got a defensive guy in George Hill, and yeah, I'd rather have the Kyrie Irving iteration, but it's not altogether that much different. Uh, so I, I thought it was a good game plan. It's a solid team. It's a team that gives the Warriors problems because they beat them up. And also, on the other side, I think the Warriors don't know quite what to do on pick-and-roll action with LeBron. They love switching everything, but you can't really switch everything against LeBron in the way you can against a Chris Paul or, or a James Harden. It's just too much for Steph Curry to deal with. And so that aspect is also replicable where I'm not sure how the Warriors are going to solve that particular issue. I think it's I think it's fascinating. I thought it was going to be a close series. I still thought the Warriors would win. Um, what do you think? At, you know, coming in, what did you think? I thought everybody was talking five games, and my suspicion was more towards six games. I mean, I, I, I try not to do. You know what? I try not to do predictions. I try to be like Brian Windhorst because here's the thing: we writers we have such little esteem in the eyes of the fan. Why give them something tangible to bash us with, right? Why give them just a tangible, you predicted this, and it was actually that, to hit us over the head with? So I normally try to evade it. But my sense of things was more in line with you, in part because I know people will hammer home the four all-stars, four all-stars, four all-stars. But Andre Godala is A, really good, and he's B, very important to the team. And this is a team that, yes, has uh, an embarrassment of riches as far as talent goes, but the whole is not greater than the sum of its parts. It's never really uh, cohered in the way maybe people thought it would. So not having Iguodala there does make a difference, especially since he's their best defensive guy uh, on that LeBron James fellow who is quite important in this whole uh, rigmarole of a series. I think the other part is uh, how does how does Cleveland bounce back from this, right? Like I'm, I'm reading, this is a pretty good, there are two little tweets here, and it essentially says what I've been saying the entire show. Ethan Strauss is our guest from The Athletic, does a great job, and he's also uh, bouncing his uh, young baby Asher on his knee. <laughs> Uh, you know, post uh, post feeding. Uh, it's the Doug Gottlieb show. So Rosillo says, I, I think when well, he said, uh, I, I think the horrible thing is that people are pointing out the call is the only reason the Cavs lost. Make a free throw. Try not to forget the score when playing in the game. Bill Simmons adds on, don't give up an easy three point play to Steph up to in the last 30 seconds. Make the go ahead free throw. Remember the score and don't completely cave in in overtime. So I guess the question is, if you feel like you had one and then you gave it away, how do you bounce back from it? Um, 
Man, maybe you could better answer that one because we've seen teams. Remember that Clippers Spurs series where the Clippers had just these devastating losses in that series, and uh, they had that DeAndre Jordan gaffe, right? That was almost similar to the J.R. Smith gaffe, uh, where, where Chris Paul screaming at him. But they did come back and they won that series because maybe you're inspired by that frustration um, and that pain, and you still have a chance to correct things. So. We've seen we've seen such things happen. Now, what I would be a little bit worried about uh, from a Cleveland Cavaliers perspective is that I think that the Warriors are seeing enough evidence that might cause them to go away from some of the lineups that don't work and start using the lineups that do work. They got an object lesson in. You know what works? Uh, the overtime with Sean Livingston and the Andre Godala role. You know what doesn't work? Kevon Looney in that role in the fourth quarter. I think that's going to be a lot tougher for the Cavs to deal with going forward, and they got their shot against softer lineups last night. I tend to agree. What's what's going on with KD? Man, that's a great question now, isn't it? He has these games where it's just perplexing. I, I In the game six against the Rockets of the Warriors won, yeah, the Warriors eventually ran away with that one, but I ended up writing just on the befuddling first half where he wasn't playing defense and where you might have attributed five three-pointers from the Rockets just fully on Kevin Durant not matching up with guys, not getting back in transition. And, and just doing the basics of the job. And it is completely confounding. And, uh, you know, I'm glad he admitted to it on the on the rebound, but that, that's happening in general where he's getting pushed around on rebounds. I know you said during the Rockets series that, that P.J. Tucker tends to elbow him in the back, and that's, that's part of it. But you would just expect better as far as doing the things you almost take for granted. He's not doing the things that you take for granted a superstar uh, does. And... I thought that he did a very good job last finals when he was guarding LeBron, but I don't think he did a good job in defense last night. Some of that might be the pick-and-roll uh, coverage that they're sussing out, and that's not switch everything, and they have to figure out the communication. But I don't have a good theory for you on why he's not doing what he should be doing, but he's not doing it. Yeah, uh, my, my theory is, look, they're being, people are being allowed to be really physical with him. I also think, um, I think, you know, Ryan Hollins joined us earlier, and I said this before. Uh, look, they got some better matchups this year. Last year, LeBron had to guard him because of their personnel. Mm-hmm. This year, you can put Jeff Green on him. You can put yep. Nance on him a little bit. You know, you can put you can put Tristan on him, um, and and then LeBron can guard him as well. So you have it's a lot like what the Cavs had last year, which was a lot more guys that could guard LeBron. Well, that, they have they have a lot more guys that can guard him and are physical. And Jeff Green obviously knows this game. Yeah, this is why I like. I, I, this is this is good because you actually notice and you know the game, and you're not just going by reputation. It's funny. You would think, oh, he wouldn't want LeBron to guard him. He completely torched LeBron last year in the finals. You look at his highlight reel; it's coming at the expense of LeBron, and it's not an indictment of LeBron. It's just LeBron cannot do everything on offense while also playing defense at this at this particular age. So I almost wonder if to get to get KD going, if they don't want to uh, run more pick and roll and try to get LeBron switched onto him. I know that might sound crazy uh, to the casual fan that you would want LeBron uh, guarding you, but I think there could be a benefit to getting Durant going and also tiring out LeBron in this series. Yeah. Completely agree. Yeah, and then I think, you know, and then I think off. I think that'll help them on on defense as well. And I think they're they're going to have to start double teaming LeBron at different points in time in order to get the ball out of his hands, make somebody else make a play, not just you know, not just make a shot. He obviously will will pass into a shooter, but but they got they got to occasionally blitz him and get the ball ahead. They got to vary some of their coverage because it becomes all too predictable. Mm-hmm. I I completely agree. 
Uh, they need need to vary it, but they also need to know what they're doing when they vary it. <laughs> that's, um, that's that's more or less the key uh, key for them, because they were not on the same page last night in a lot of possessions. I entered the series. I entered the series thinking, you know, I, I heard Mike Wilbon on with Dan Patrick, and he said, "Hey, you know, unless you know something crazy happens, there is no real takeaway if they lose this series because." They, he expects it to lose the series. I have a completely different level of respect for LeBron and kind of the zen by which he's playing, the development of his offensive game, his jump shot. The first three quarters last night was great. I think there's a ton to take away from this win or lose based upon how he plays and how his game has evolved. Last night was a was the type of performance I haven't seen since Jordan. What are your thoughts on how we can change how we view LeBron based upon how he's played, not just the fact that he might lose to a superior team. I think there's something to that. And it also might just speak to the era that we're in where we, uh, we have more of a sense now uh, that you can play really well and lose that you can win the Cy Young without winning a bunch of games in baseball, just based on your ERA. So there's a lot to be gained from actually coming out and performing. And we're not just going to hang it around your neck that you lost the series. So reputationally, LeBron could find himself in a situation where he might win finals MVP even if he loses the series. That nearly happened when Iguodala won finals MVP in 2015, and I think that would, uh, that, that would be pretty good for him in the, uh, in the grand scheme of things. And he's kind of in a good position. He's not in a good position for winning the series, but he's in a good position where it's all upside, where uh, he will be credited for exceeding expectations and not blamed if the Cavs go down in flames. Okay, a couple of things I need to get to. Um, how happy is JaVel McGee that J.R. Smith pulled the JaVel McGee? Because otherwise, we're replaying JaVel McGee's missed dunk over and over and over again. Oh, man, it, it was just – it's so funny with those two guys that what happened was almost a satire of who they are. And with JaVel, it was going so well. That was the other thing. I was saying – I was watching in the media area uh, behind the court, um, and I, was, I just kept saying to the guy next to me, uh, this is found money. Steve's got to pull him. Steve's got to pull him. Steve's got to pull him. And I didn't expect it. Hey, I think he might have been a plus eight on the game, or he might have. He had a pretty good run in there, despite that humiliating uh, dunk. That me was was that was that fatigue possibly that could have been fatigue in a way, or just space. I, I just edited. think he got lost. I just think he got lost as to where he was in the court. I mean, I think I think it happens. <laughs> I just think that you know, it just happened to happen to to Javel McGee. Um, do you have any idea what's going on with Kevin Love's hair? Because that is. Can can we have form some sort of investigation? <laughs> what is that? Is that hey man? For all I know, that's cool. I mean, was that a no. crossfade? What do we what do we call that? It might be cool for all I know. I'm a dad now. I don't know what's cool, so I I don't want to hate on it. Yeah, I it felt it felt like either a Floby, or it felt like he, <laughs> a maybe Floby reference. Yes, maybe went Floby. Maybe he just like hey, I was bored in the hotel room. He's he's watched everything he could possibly watch on Netflix and Amazon Prime and Hulu, and so he just started just kind of going to work on his own hair, and he's like, "Damn, I have no idea how to fade it, so I'm not even going to try." I'm just shocked about the Floby reference. I, I, I my my dad bought a Floby back in the day. I had a few Floby haircuts, and you know what? That might even be an insult to the Floby. You might get sued by the makers of Floby uh, because of the haircut that Kevin Love has. So, uh, yeah, you know, shout out Floby. Um, I, I hope they're still going strong and. As far as what Kevin Love's doing with his hair, I guess just keeping it interesting. Who knows? Uh, okay, so you started the series um, without really a prediction. What do you think yes. now? 
uh, I still I still don't necessarily have a prediction because I'm trying to be coy and I'm trying to be cool like that. Um, but as far as what I think now, I think the Warriors dodged a bullet. I think they're very happy to have won a lucky one. Yep. Uh, sometimes it's better to be lucky than good. Agreed. And I, I, I think, hey, beyond just winning a game, it's. It, I think it was good for the Warriors in the sense that they, when I talked to them after the game, the coaches were actually oddly happy. Usually they're they're mad when they mess around. They they uh, they squander opportunities. But they had a sense of the first game's a feel out game. We didn't have our coverages right. So I think it's ultimately uh, better for the Warriors beyond just winning the game. At the same time, I might have a little bit more respect for LeBron and the Cavs' chances in this than most people, as you do. So I'm hedging like crazy. I'm giving you a very unsatisfying answer, and I apologize for that. No, I, I'm, you're, you're leaving it up to hate. There's a lot of basketball. Like We all think that every basketball game is going to be the same, and we all completely forget that even last year, there were some very, very close games, even if the final, even if the final score was four games to one within the context yeah. of the series. It wasn't necessarily wasn't every they well, win every game by twenty points. We we thing in sports where we conflate probability with inevitability. I don't know why, but we just skip ahead. That if if somebody has an eighty percent chance of doing something, we act as though twenty is impossible. And I'm just not of that mentality really. You know, I think that the, the Cavs are a long shot, but a long shot doesn't mean that it's a foregone conclusion. And I think if you look at the ratings for this one, America agrees. America's into the series even a lot of the uh, sports writers poo poo it. Great stuff. Ethan Strauss, get back to caring for uh, young Asher. Congratulations to your wife. She did all the work for the last ooh, 11, 12 months now since it's nine weeks, and you, you butchered that thing. Thanks for joining us. She's the same. Thanks for having me. Bye. All right, I hope you really enjoyed the All Ball podcast. Remember, I, I believe this is going to be a good series. I just do. I think there are matchup problems for the Golden State Warriors in that you know, you, you can only you can't hide Steph and you can't hide Kevon, Kevon Looney. I think they'll change some of the rotations. There'll be times in which they double team and try and uh, and try and trap LeBron James and make other people handle the basketball. And like, look, Draymond's going to have to step up and take some more shots because playing three on five is really, really hard. There'll be some other actions that they put in, but this is the same, a similar defensive philosophy that you saw to Houston. Make make two guys beat you that can't score. And you know, Looney made a couple of layups and dunks. I thought Livingston gave him a good little lift, but those guys are scoring for a reason. That's almost a win for uh, for the Cavs when other guys score. Kevin Durant's going to have to play better, going to have to be tougher. I think he's a little bit tired, not just from the previous series, but playing this much defense and the physicality of a guy like Jeff Green. As you've heard several of our guests talk about, the, the Cavs have better matchups this year for Kevin Durant than they had going back to last year. The opposite is true for LeBron James. Last year, the Warriors had more guys to match up with LeBron than they have this year. And, of course, he continues to exploit when Steph Curry guards him. It's going to be interesting. Still think the Warriors win the series, but I think it's going to be a harder series than most people let on before it ever began. Hope you enjoyed All Ball. Make sure you download, you subscribe, you rate, and you tell a friend about it. I'm Brett Collins. It's bracket season, and you can pre-register now for Fox Sports Radio's Bracket Challenge at foxsportsradio.com. Get details, rules, and pre-register so you can easily create your winning bracket when it's live on March 17th. Once you fill out your bracket, you're entered for a chance to win the ultimate college sports trip for you and a friend, including travel and stays at any graduate hotel's location. 
It's sponsored by Tractor Supply and Graduate Hotels, where college fans stay. Hey, hey, it's Malcolm Gladwell, host of Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Your elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive entirely its own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Infinity Presents, a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from The Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Your last day of vacation and you found time for a deep tissue massage followed by a long mud bath then a two-hour nap. Because you're an American Express Platinum Guard member and booked your stay at a fine hotel and resort through Amex Travel, which means a 4 p.m. checkout. And those relaxing vacation vibes can keep going at the airport in the Centurion Lounge. Just a splash. Before you board the plane, back to reality. See how to elevate your travel experiences at AmericanExpress.com slash with Amex. Don't live life without it. Terms apply.